0: It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org from Louisville Public Media.
2: We're filming. I've got to make sure my hair looks
0: nice.
1: Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thank you, as always, for making your way here, for checking out the series. Of course, I hope you hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. That's three interviews a week to keep you up to date on your favorite artists. And discover those new ones. You can do so any of the usual spots in podcast land like uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, at nprwfpk.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with, and if you're already subscribed, or while you're at it, uh, be sure to give the, uh, the series a rating and leave a review as well Uh, some of my recent guests uh, lately we've talked with Crispin Mills from uh, Coolest Shaker we had on Slow Pulp the actor Daryl J. Johnson from Drunk History and Punk Aldous Hodge was here to talk about the movie Marmalade we had uh, Mary Timoney from X-Hex and Helium Natalie Morales the actress uh, lately from The Morning Show and Parks and Recreation Matthew Vaughn the director behind the movie Argyle also dropped in Just an example of what you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast. And that's me, Kyle Meredith today, my guest, English singer and actress Paloma Faith. We're going to be talking about her record, The Glorification of Sadness. It's an album that chronicles her stages of grief while growing through a divorce, especially with children. Paloma is going to tell us the the stories behind songs like Eat Shit and Die. Uh, She'll tell the stories of not thinking that her management would want her to release the LP and the moment someone from her label even asked her how they could turn her pain into entertainment. Paloma's also going to give us a peek into her upcoming book, a book about being a woman in a post-feminist world. All that and more as we dig into The Glorification of Sadness. It's Kyle Meredith with Paloma Faith.
2: Hello, nice to see you. I'm so glad to be talking to um, an American.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just woke up that way. I had no control.
2: (laughs) Hello, America.
1: The Glorification of Sadness, which I love that title. The first words we hear on this album, nobody's perfect, least of all me. And so, I don't know, is that—is that an apology or a declaration? A little bit of both?
2: But kind of a disclaimer, I think. Like, don't expect too much. <laughs> Lower your expectations and listen on.
1: <laughs> I love it. So maybe that's the easy place to start. Like, like, why, If if that's sort of the mission statement of the album, why?
2: Well, the album sort of chronicles the stages of grief that I went to in the biggest breakup of my life. Um, It's very rare that we experience or have listened to um, breakup albums where it's very kind of clearly, A, a kind of really important relationship. This one was a decade long. And also that it's acknowledged that we have children So I sing sort of quite explicitly in it that um, in in the song Divorce, like, you know, I'll take the kids and, you know, I say all those words. And I think um, speaking to somebody recently, they said that it was unusual to them because a lot of the sensibilities of country music come about in this album, even though it's not a country album, but it's quite common in country music the songwriter is to say exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And you listen to like Dolly Parton and she sings about the, pa- the Parent Teachers Association. Or she also has a song called Divorce. And I think it's that kind of mentality of just being really truthful um, that comes across in the ad more, That was my intention. But it's kind of in a sort of soulful pop genre. So it's, it's like a mixing of stuff. But yeah, that's what I've tried to do, and so the disclaimer of like nobody's perfect, least of all me, is like a sort of self-aware thing. I really quite am. I think therapy is amazing. I'm really into therapy, and there's a lot of stuff that I've learned in therapy in the album, like a song called "I Am Enough," and um, just the kind of raw truth about both my own. Um, introspection but also at times like childlike belligerence like a there's a song I don't know if you're allowed to swear oh say it
1: please say it yes
2: but there's a song called eat shit and die which <laughs> is like my kind of petulant child moment of like ah. And you're in a relationship and you think I've done all this really mature communicating and you're still not listening so now here's my three-year-old self slamming doors and being like, "I'll oh, screw you. And it's kind of like trying to kind of appeal to all those versions of ourselves and accept them. Like even the most kind of therapized, emotionally intelligent person still at times makes the worst, terrible mistakes, you know, psychologically, emotionally, whatever. And so it's about that self-acceptance.
1: Each and I, by the way, and it's hard not to, like if you look at the track list, the, our eyes are immediately going there, and 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 seeing the title before I hear it, and not knowing what to expect. Like the duop sound, it's so fun. It wasn't exactly what I thought was going to happen with a title like that. <laughs> <laughs> like where did that? Where did that come from?
2: It's meant to be a bit comedic. Like I'm, it's got a self awareness to it. I'm sort of laughing at myself because I've kind of it's that point where you've exhausted, like I say, all your kind of social and psychological grooming to like become this amazingly insightful, mature person. And it's like, oh, I've let it all go. I've let myself down. And we all have it in breakdowns. We're like, in breakups, we're always like, yeah, I've been really like reasonable. I've really done everything i meant to do. I've given the closure, done all this. And you're like, oh, now I've just completely let myself down and despise myself again. So that's what that song's appealing to. I think the, the the opening line being nobody's perfect, least of all me, is kind of saying I'm not claiming that I dealt with any of this in a perfect way or in a proper way. The whole thing's kind of an exploration of the ups and downs, mm and um the guilt and shame involved in that because i think it is much heavier and kind of more um devastating when you think like my decision has affected my children so i wanted to sort of really drive that guilt and shame home it's it's a na- it's a public confessional
1: <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies, yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know P R O allergy.com. That's A S T E P R O allergy.com. Astapro and go use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Paloma faith. And as someone who I, I've i got, you know, we, we co parents I'm, you know, I have a first marriage and, and divorce and I I know exactly what you mean. Like, how do you affect your children? And hearing some of those moments on here, there's nothing more human than failure. You know, it, it's another one of those things, like, that's a mantra. You know, it's it does, th- there is a part of me that wonders, like, how much are you trying to convince yourself while you're also saying it?
2: It's a let's yeah, it's a letter to myself. The whole album's me trying to tell myself stuff. I'm hoping that when I tour it, I'll just, like, eventually start believing it. It takes so long.
1: Like, there's a long history of empowerments in pop music. And sometimes that just comes off so generic that it doesn't mean anything. Like we will climb the mountain, you know. Whatever. I'm not quoting anybody there. That's, but although I probably am, and I don't even know it. But like there is that, like what this is a compliment and a question tied up into one. I promise. But uh, I don't get that from you because these are there are these big moments of empowerment historically that we would get involved. But it's so specific. That it's so meaningful, and I guess, as a songwriter, like how maybe you don't think maybe maybe this isn't part of the process, but like how much do you consider opening that door to everyone else's ears?
2: What of the feeling of shame
1: just of everything that you've gone through you know this this is your story, this is your story
2: I feel like as a as a person um well i'm I'm naturally. I can't pretend I'm not a pretender I'm I'm really like naturally not fake I'm very genuine which at times gets me into trouble because people ask me like do I look nice in this and I'm like not sure (laughs) but um (laughs) I really want yeah so I really want to be kind but I I it's like I called my um management when this all happened and I said I, I can't think about anything else. It's consuming and I can't write any music unless it's about this. But I, because I'm so in it, it's probably all going to be appalling and you're going to feel that I'm so vulnerable, you can't tell me how terrible it is. So I apologise if this is the worst album I've ever made in advance. But I literally can't think or write about anything else because it's what I'm in. I'm so in it and I feel... And as you know, from experience by the sounds of it, that even two years on, I'm still in it because of the kids and the co-parenting. Like, you see each other all the time. There's moments as well where you're like, why aren't we together? We get on so well. And then you're like, oh my God, I remember now because we just spoke about something and clashed again. Like, ah, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> so glad we're not together. So um, yeah, I think it wasn't that i felt i had a choice i i just naturally am that way inclined and i think for me like you just said like it's all to do with that the quest of songwriting is all to do with an alternative way of saying the same thing because essentially in music we've all heard all the songs before we've said all the words before and it's difficult um it's it's important to me to avoid clichés because it doesn't always feel like all the songs speak to me and how I feel about my life. So I wanted to write those ones. That's probably when you say, oh, it's quite unique or, you know, at times it feels contradictory in my album because it feels like I'm very vulnerable, but also empowered at the same time, which is not something that we hear that often. So I wanted to write songs that would speak to people like me, I guess. And also, I think that society puts us under so much pressure to define who we are and know what we want. And I really reject that because I think it's a ridiculous expectation. Also, the concept of happiness is a ridiculous expectation. Like happiness is transient, just like sadness is transient. Knowing who we are. I mean, I could be somebody in the morning and then three hours later, I'm somebody else. And knowing what I want, well, forget about that. I have no idea what I want. Every time I think that I know what I want and go and get it, I get it. And then I don't want it. <laughs> it's just such a conundrum. And it's like, we're all we're all being taught these ways of feeling and thinking. And it's not fair. It's like, is it, it's like when they say, oh, in a relationship that you really mess that person around. Mm. And it's like, Oh my God, imagine what it was like to be me. Because my mind was the one changing. That person at least knew what they wanted. And they thought I was the messy person. Mm-hmm. I'm going through this turmoil like all the time. Did I do the right thing? Is it what I want? Is it, you know, there's no such thing as right or wrong. We just kind of make a series of decisions and have to kind of deal with whatever the consequences of them are. And most of the time, it's terrible either way. <laughs> So here's a really optimistic interview for you.
1: <laughs> this is, well, I mean, this is the real stuff that I was hoping for. I mean, and and to be fair, those moments of balance, and I won't call them contradictions because they aren't, but they are balanced. Like Cry on the Dance Floor, which, by the way, is a fantastic song, just as a song. Let's not even talk about, you know, all the deep messages we're talking about here. But But in that title, The Glorification of Sadness. So coincidentally, I was just talking with another artist, uh, the lead singer of Big Thief, Adrienne Linker, and she has a song called Sadness is a Gift. Yeah, And the just both of your titles are in my head and thinking about a lot of the things that you're saying right here, not just processing your emotions through song, but as a listener, those expectations, how we treat artists, you've heard it in the past, oh, they were better before they got sober. Oh, they were better when they were, you know, so sad and they're, oh, now they're, you know, it's happy music, which, you know, it's like, fuck off. (laughs) This person's got to live and they've got to survive. And, 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 you know, I I would actually just love to hear your take on this. Like when you think about the glorification of sadness, what is it? What, what, what exactly does that mean?
2: Every artist's pain is for sale. And in the the trigger for me was that I went to a board meeting with my record company who I didn't know that well because they change like the wind these days. I mean, I've met about 60 different heads of my record company. <laughs> Um and I took played one of the songs from the album called Divorce and it's the saddest one for me to hear because I think it's the rawest and maybe kind of vocally the least affected I've ever sang. It's almost like I'm talking. It's like a private version of me Mm -hmm. and has my children's voices in the recording and everything, which makes it even more sad to me. Um, And I was kind of quite moved and struggling not to be upset when it was on. Welled up with tears and the head of the board meeting said, how can we turn this into entertainment? And like, my, it was like, oh, steak through the heart. Like, because I am a bit vampire. Um, it was like, oh my goodness, I know what I need to call this album. It's me. It's like a a strange relationship that I have as an artist with my sadness. It's sort of macabre in a way to constantly be saying, here's my tragedy and it's now a consumer item in a way like i'm selling it i'm giving it to strangers essentially to do with what they will and you know the reviews might be this is appalling you know that's when it's that personal it can feel damning and terrifying but it's commodifying that kind of sadness and also in the empowering sense glorifying it means that i'm wearing it like um a badge of honor like a charm like also you know, if I listen to um, this is my sixth studio album. If I if I listen to my vocals on maybe the first few, they're just not as strong. And I th- I think it's to do with to do with experience and how it affects your voice. And it is it's sadness and it's trauma that makes you have a depth of feeling or a depth of sound in your voice. If I think about you know, not in modern day music because people don't last anymore. But if I think about singers that I loved throughout their careers, like early Aretha Franklin albums or Etta James albums, the voices just, they were always amazing, but they weren't really quite as compelling as once they'd had the lives they lived and suffered the way they suffered. And their voices just became so much fuller and richer. So I guess it's like becoming a more whole person, the more experience you have. And so the more sadness you experience, the more glorified you become.
1: And we'll be right back, right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Paloma Faith. And I like that even beyond what you were saying about like putting your sadness for sale because because you're an artist and it is a weird thing. It's like I'm creating something, but I also have to make a living off of it. But that's the same thing like, you know, a painter is putting their sadness for sale, you know? David Bowie put himself on sale all the time and it was, you know, complete works of art. Um, Something I don't like, I, I was thinking of that word. Sorry is the last word before divorce, but sorry never needs to be said when you're making art. That's I don't really care. Somebody asked me if I was a critic and I was like, Oh no, I'll never be a critic. I like interviewing, but I'm, who am I to tell you if your work is good or not? It's hard to do. It's so hard to make an album. It's so hard to make a movie, you know, or anything like that. Like,
2: so hard to be a doctor though it's so hard to be a nurse it's just so hard to be a teacher like I think the human condition is difficult and whatever your circumstances subjectively you're, it's part of being a human being to struggle to find happiness but also to have experienced grief and loss and you know, self-loathing and all those things, it's all part of it. And without one, we don't have the opposite. I mean, it'd be awful to only be happy. I think happiness is probably the most transient of feelings, though. It's almost as soon as you realise that you're happy, it's the beginning of it going to the descent. <laughs> I'm actually happy. Oh, my God. Oh, the next day, a bird just shot on my shoulder.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um did i read you're also um you're writing a book as well yeah i, I don't know if this is right but I, from what i read about the book it sounded like the song bad woman was almost like maybe a jumping off point to what to expect from the book
2: yeah it is it's it's about female identity and it's a bit about an exploration of how i feel as a woman in a post-feminist world that feminism kind of came gave us loads of hope and then sort of abandoned us halfway through with too much to do. And I think women are very kind of, the have it all idea is not real or obtainable. And actually we're burning out because we're taking on too much. And like, obviously I'm a touring musician, two children. Now I'm a single mom, but luckily I've got the money to be able to have childcare like not my most single mums don't have that and i'm aware of it my mum didn't but like yeah i feel like um it's just about kind of saying that we were sold a kind of dream about what empowerment and freedom was and actually i think we got lumbered with too much expectation and too much work
1: well i look forward to checking that out and this <laughs> This album is so good. I mean, in the pantheon of 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 albums like Fleetwood Mac's "Rumors" and Dylan's "Blood on the Tracks," it's so good.
2: Oh my God, that's high praise.
1: You know, we're talking about those great divorce albums, but it's so far beyond that. It's just a great album on its own. Um, seriously, congratulations on this. I'm so happy that you let yourself be vulnerable and fun in the same sense. And so. Thank yeah, thank you for taking the well, time. Well, in about Britain, it.
2: we tend to try and laugh in the face of adversity, which is like the way that I've got through most things. I've just constantly laughing with my tears streaming down my face. <laughs> I actually remember one day when I was younger, which was quite memorable. It stuck in my head, where my roommate, I'd broken up with a boyfriend i was quite young and i was crying and he came over to me and he went oh you look so ugly when you're crying and i just burst out laughing and i feel like that's that's basically the way forward <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it i thank seriously you. appreciate it i
2: really appreciate it thank you
1: My thanks to Paloma. The new album is called The Glorification of Sadness. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that I put out. Brand new ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists. Discover the new ones at uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, NPR, WFPK.org, Consequence, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. After that, head over to wfpk.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get four hours of classics from the 80s and 90s. You get the best in new music. There's bonus interviews, lots of music news as well. One of my one of my recent shows featured the uh, the tunes of Divinyls, the Lemonheads. David Bowie, Adrian Linker from Big Thief, Rage Against the Machine, The Pixies, Morrissey, Jason Isbell, Depeche Mode, The Beaches, Local Age, Tom Petty, Ray, Harry Nilsson, Grace Potter, Nora Jones, The Breeders, Talking Heads, Slater Kinney, The Killers, Brittany Howard, and my interview with Duff McKagan of Guns N' Roses, Just an example of what you get every weeknight starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on any of the social media sites. The address is always the same. It's at Kyle Meredith. So do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. consequence podcast
0: network
2: good enough is my new mantra i've I've spent my life going for perfection and now i'm aiming for good enough
0: it's easy to hear your favorite artist on wfpk from wherever you are listen on your smart speaker live stream from our website at wfpk.org from louisville public media